Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every single movie ever nominated for Best Picture in order, then tell you if the Academy chose the right movie for each year. Let's talk about this movie! Okay, Susan, did you hate it too? You've never stated whether you hated this movie or not. I did not hate this movie. Oh no. Did I love it? No. Okay. I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. So one, I feel like I just like hate the morals of 1930s movies more than you do. Just like on a visceral level, it ruins movies for me. But also the structure of this fucking movie was so off kilter, it like viscerally offended me. (laughs) Oh, like, huh, expound on this. Because, like, for me, the structure of the movie was pretty, hmm. Like, was there one? Yeah. Well, th- <laughs> yes, this is exactly what I'm saying. Is, like, we spend the first 20 minutes in this cabin with all these douchebags, and you're like, hmm, I guess all of these people are going to have plots. And no, definitely for sure not. Some of them you just have to memorize their names for when they come back an hour and 15 minutes later. Okay, but I'm going to say for the part in the cabin, and this may be why I really enjoyed this movie, was because of Don, who is arguably the shittiest person in a movie full of shitty uh, yes. people. Yes. No question. I, I will not, I, I, I will concede that. However, at some point, someone says something to the effect of like, oh, I'm, I'm only ever going to get married once. And he said, that's not very patriotic. One should be willing to lay down more than one wife for their country. And I thought it was hilarious. Well, here's the other thing that bothers me about that fucking cabin sequence is the tone is all goddamn over the place. Like, it starts <laughs> with a musical number. Then you're in, like, a 1940s, like, road trip comedy. Then, like, everyone is super sad about this married couple. Then there's a drunk driving accident that permanently disfigures a woman. And I'm like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> That's all, like, the first 20 minutes, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is that, like, I'm spending (laughs) the first 20 minutes, like, trying to figure out what the first act of this fucking movie is, and it turns out it's all backstory for the last 20 minutes of this movie. It turns out after all the weird tonal shifts, none of them matter. It's just so you can memorize all the faces of all of these interchangeable white dudes who, spoiler alert, I fucking cannot tell apart. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I actually, if I were forced to, like, if they were in a lineup and it was like, one of these dudes definitely committed a murder that you witnessed, I would just be like, uh, uh, no idea. And then I would, like, not actually be a witness because they are so interchangeable. Yeah, in this movie's defense, it has been a while since I've actually watched it and I refuse to watch it again. But I absolutely could not fucking tell you who Dawn was to save my fucking life. Yeah, I mean, the only reason that I know who Dawn is is because he's the one that is always in White Tie and Tails. Okay, you know what? I actually, I'm going to mount a spirited defense of Dawn as the least shitty dude in this movie. (laughs) All right. Dawn is the one that she has sex with. Well, let's like give the... I'll I'll give the plot of this movie as quickly as possible. 
It should take upwards of 12 seconds, but go ahead. So this chick whose name is Jerry is married to this dude whose name is not important. Oh, Ted, because of course it is. Yeah. She's married to fucking Ted, who somehow like invites a woman that he's cheated on his wife with to their anniversary party. Yeah. And then tells his wife. Who's like, all right, well, cool. You're out of town on a business trip. I'm going to bang your best friend. Or, like, are they even friends? They're friends. I don't know that they're best friends. I feel like they're, like, college buddies. You know, in that way where there's, like, a real fucking range of college buddies. Yeah, like, they run in the same circle. They go to the same parties. But there's never any moments between the guys of any kind of, like, anything that would lead us to believe that they're actually friends. There's a scene where they, like, see each other again late in the movie. Oh, in the bar. And clearly have not seen each other for, like, over a year. Yeah. And that is not treated as unusual to either of them. Like, yeah, that happens. Right. So anyway, she bangs this one dude, and he comes, the husband, Ted, comes back from his business trip, and she's like, cool, so we're, like, we're even now. And he's like, what? But... That's not fair, because sometimes dudes just cheat on their wives, and so she's like, fine, we're gonna get a divorce. So they separate, and like, it's never totally clear to me whether or not they get finally divorced, or if they just get legally separated. She goes out and parties a whole bunch, and wears the most fabulous costumes of any movie that we've seen so far. Okay, yes, I will, I will, I will definitely grant the movie that. And then he becomes like a pathetic drunk. And then at some point she runs into him at a party and is like, oh, actually, uh, I'm still in love with you. Let's just make it work. And he's like, I was living a terrible life without you. Let's do that. And then they get back together. Okay, one, she specifically goes to that party to get back together. With okay, him, true. Which I feel is important for how fucking morally repugnant this movie is. And two... You've left out the whole third act plot with the dude who wants to run away from his rich, disfigured wife, who seems like the most awesome character in this entire goddamn movie. Oh, and yeah. And appears for 12 seconds. Before she gets disfigured and has to wear a black veil the rest of her life? Like, right. how disfigured is she? I don't know. It's like, that's the 1930s, right? Because, like, by the 90s, that was like a type. Like, you were going for the rich, disfigured Westchester girl in her, like, late 20s. Like, we I feel like Christina <laughs> Ricci was born to make you have a boner for that part. And this movie is like, no, absolutely, I have to run away from my wife. And that is the moral bridge too far at which Jerry decides, like, that divorce is wrong and she should go back to her douchebag husband. To be fair, the whole reason that there's this, like, actually, this is not to be fair, but to back up, <laughs> that dude who is played by Conrad Nagel, who I carried over no sympathy for from Wings, which says... A, that his character is a fucking asshole yes. in this movie. And B, that he's a really good actor. Because, like, there was none of his character for Wings in this character. I will say, I one, his character was, to me, bar none, 
the worst person in this movie. Absolutely 100%. Oh, yeah. Because he is like, if someone in 1930 knew about the term the friend zone, that guy would use it all the fucking time. Right, so the whole reason that Dorothy, who is his wife, is disfigured is because he gets shit-faced and then super upset that Jerry is gonna marry Ted, gets in a car crash, Dorothy is disfigured, and then what he thinks is the right thing to do is to marry Dorothy out of pity. And then goes, it turns out that my wife doesn't like me constantly pitying her. Here's my great solution. (laughs) I'm gonna fucking run away with the woman I've actually been in love with this whole time and just tell her that out of the blue and peace out to Europe. He actually is the most despicable person in this movie, like, bar none. Here's my spirited defense of Don is like, one, Jerry's down to fuck. (laughs) That's true. It's not like he was forcing her at all. Also, he's not married, as far as we know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, I am not for, like, people who are cheaters are great, but also, like, everyone in this movie is a cheater and a terrible human being, and the guy who's just like, you know what, I just want to fuck some married women and have a good time, and married women who want to fuck me and have a good time, come on over, (laughs) is like, you know what, at least this dude knows what he goddamn is. And also, I feel like there's no bones about it. So I'm actually going to say, I, I'm going to take back what I said earlier. Uh, Don is not the worst guy in this movie. He's the sleaziest, but at least he's upfront about it. Whereas, like, Paul thinks that he is, like, a long-suffering hero who deserves Jerry. He's a shitbag. Everyone thinks they're a long su- long-suffering hero who deserves Jerry, except for Don, who's just down to fuck. And it's like, <laughs> that's fine. Good on you, dude. You know what's going on. (laughs) Like. That's true. Sort of every other man in this movie wants to marry her. Like, there's a random guy on a train who, as far as I could tell, was, like, vaguely European aristocracy. He's from somewhere. Like, he's this, like, 1930s from somewhere guy. (laughs) Like, if you told me he was the, like, Indian ambassador to England, I would have been like, all right. And if you told me that he was the British ambassador to India, I would have been like, all right. Like, he's just from ambiguously not America, which is one of those 1930s stock types you can't do anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And also clearly wealthy because he's wearing a brocade vest. Mm -hmm. Clearly wealthy and European. The brocade vest is the 1930s indication that you are not from America. (laughs) Uh, This movie also has like this whole subplot of like, you can be a drunk goddamn mess that can't hold it together at a goddamn commissary. You're still going to get hired by a British newspaper. These people cannot fucking not get jobs. It is impossible. (laughs) Do you think that's like, this is some wish fulfillment shit because... In 1930, like, people couldn't get jobs? I I don't know. People couldn't not not get jobs? I don't know why my touchstone for this show is How I Met Your Mother. But I don't know if it's like that How I Met Your Mother thing where, like, there has to be something new in every scene. So, like, characters get to be fucking federal judges at the age of 28 or something. Where just, like, because every time we mentioned their job, something new has to be happening with their job. They have jobs all Hmm. the time. Or... Because we're trying to send a message of hope to all the people in the Dust Bowl. 
I could go either way on that one. Like, I really don't know. I don't know if it's so much message of hope as it is just, like, pure wish fulfillment. Yeah. You know? Like, you watch movies where people have a lot of money, and it's not like, oh, someday I'm gonna live in a palace. It's just like, I'm gonna get to experience this because there's no fucking other way I will. Yeah. So, can I say, like, I feel like because we've done a, like, full force plot recap, we haven't really gotten into what it's like to experience this film. Which is blank confusion about what this movie is going to be about until about the 45 minute mark of an hour and 20 minute movie. It is not until the train that I start figuring out, oh, this is going to be a movie about how marriage is important and Jerry needs to go back to her husband. I mean, is that what it's about? I mean, yeah, I think that it definitely says that marriage is important, but it also, I don't feel like it just lets Ted off the hook for having an affair. Oh, this is the exact same argument we were having about, what's it called? Uh, the, the, the musical, the courtly romance musical set oh, in yeah, yeah. ambiguous Western Europe. Whatever that was called. Where like, <laughs> yeah, I could do a like good Taming of the Shrew production reading of that last scene. But like, she goes to Europe to get back together with this dude. And he's like, I'm sorry I divorced you. And she's like, good enough. And then that's the whole fucking movie. <laughs> It was the love parade, by the way. I definitely think that it tries to show that Jerry's decision was the right one and that he, like, deserves to go back to her. But the fact that leaving her and getting divorced leads him into being a complete goddamn mess where he's, like, drunk all the time. And meanwhile, she's, like, getting diamonds from ambiguous ambassadors from somewhere to somewhere else on the Orient Express or whatever. Exactly. Like, I'm I'm totally uninterested in the fact that, like, Tom or Todd or whatever his fucking name is. It's Ted. Ted. Like, like, like how, how I, I met your mother. mother. <laughs> But he, like, that he, (laughs) that he needs Jerry. Like, I don't give a shit. One of my big moral philosophy things is, like, one of the things that, I don't know why I'm going into scripture now. Like, that's even a weirder turn than how I met your mother. But that, like, forgiveness is given, it isn't earned. If he, like, went off and became a better dude and was like, I made some horrible mistakes and I'm never gonna get her back. And then she came along and was like, I've decided you're the one. I'd be like, okay, this is fine. But instead it's like, he fucking cheated on her. He was a shitty husband. He is a drunken mess without her. And then we're supposed to be like, yeah, but they're married and a man deserves a woman who fucking cleans up his mess for him. My takeaway was not that. My takeaway was like, you can be with all of the charming men in the world, but it's not the same as the guy that you love. However, the guy that she loves sucks. I do not think that Ted deserves Jerry at all. One of my problems with that theory is like, the guy she loves sucks. And the other one is like, She's very clearly, like, at this moral precipice of being a divorcee for life, my god, and steps back from it to the right choice of stable married life with a husband who cheats on you sometimes because men can't help themselves. You know, actually, you're you're really talking me into this viewpoint because... (laughs) 
Because other dudes have offered to marry her. Yeah. Like, she wasn't going to be a sad divorcee. She was going to be a secondly... And, and doesn't she have, like, another friend who's divorced who's like, yeah, I'm divorced and it's fine. Yeah. One of the things that bothers me is, like, I don't fully know how to process that specific exchange. Like... I don't know if it's supposed to complicate things or if this is a movie where nothing is supposed to complicate things and we're supposed to know she will eventually be miserable too. And I would lean toward the second read, but like, there is stuff in here where like, it seems like it's a good time to be a divorcee, but there's also like this thing where at the end of all of those scenes, there's this like read of like, yeah, but they're manic about it. They don't really mean it. It's not really <laughs> satisfying or fun. Uh, I guess that's what the moral of it is, I suppose. Except for... See, again, for me, I feel like the moral of it is that no one compares to your true love. The only problem I have with that is that Ted has never shown us any reason why he should be her true love. They haven't even had, like, this passionate relationship before no like from the get-go i'm like fucking i'm dear prudence get outing the their entire relationship <laughs> from like scene one by the side of the lake where they ruin some poor kids time skinny dipping like there's just like every single scene with the two of them in this movie is like no girl date somebody else like this guy is not the guy for you you're not gonna fix him it's not gonna happen yeah you know actually this movie would have well, this movie wouldn't exist if this happened, but it would have been a better life for everyone involved if, like, she kicked his scrub ass to the curb and he just disappeared from the movie forever. She realized that she's totally fabulous and just, like, sometimes bangs Dawn when she wants to. Dorothy marries, like, a really nice guy who, like, an, like an actually genuinely nice guy, not a yeah. quote-unquote nice guy. And Paul drowns at the beginning. <laughs> I really thought, at that scene on the boat, I really thought maybe he was going to drown. I'm kind of actually with you on this. <laughs> That's a really great ending for Paul. Yeah, but it, like, should have happened immediately. Because he really is, like, yeah. wildly despicable. And then, like, Jerry can just run around with her divorcee women friends and just be like, ha 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 ha, I decided to never get married because... Because that way I have ambassadors giving me jewels on the Orient Express forever. That is the thing that, like, was when I was like, oh my god, fuck this movie. Is, like, on the train scene where I realized you don't have a movie unless the moral of this movie is that she shouldn't be divorced. There is, like, nothing to end this movie on except her and Ted getting back together. Yeah, because I guess, like, the alternate ending would just be, oh, being divorced is fun. Yeah. Which, like, is not gonna happen. Which then, like, the rest of the movie was basically uh, a montage of her, like, having a fun time being divorced. <laughs> that was way too long for a montage. But then she met a witch and decided not to be a divorcee anymore. <laughs> she met a witch? I, I, my headcanon is that the disfigured woman is a witch. <laughs> Oh, God, because she totally does look like one with that black veil over her face. Exactly. My headcanon is that this is a prequel to The Stepford Wives. But we, like, don't need to necessarily get into that because I was real deep in thinking about anything but this movie by the end of this movie. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. 
I mean, I did again. I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it, and a lot of my enjoyment came from the costumes. I will say, like the costumes in this movie are good, and it is a competently made film. It is not in old Arizona. It is not literally unwatchable because you don't know what's happening in half of the scenes. And, like, that puts it above several movies we've watched, actually. Well, yeah, except that it's a mess structurally. Well, you don't know why anything is happening, but you know what is happening in any given scene. There is definitely a, like, oh, these two people are meeting now sense to each scene. But there is also this, like, also, what? To, like, everything from that first scene where, like, the woman Ted is cheating on his wife with, I think, invited herself to the party? Like, heard his name and invited herself? Oh, yeah, right. So the couple that later gets divorced ran into her somewhere, and she was like, oh, let me come along to the anniversary party for the dude I fucked. And I do have to say, Ted and Jerry have shitty friends. Like, if this movie had the fucking rate of attrition that All Quiet on the Western Front had, I would not mind. (laughs) But, like, it is just this series of, like, real bad takes from Ted, who already is kind of up Ship Creek because he's going on a work trip the day of his anniversary, in this way where, like, my dude, I feel like you could talk to your boss about this. And no one even brings it up. But two, then decides that his fucking angle on this is going to be telling his wife not to let finding out about his affair ruin their anniversary party. Because she has a responsibility to their friends who invited people who they don't fucking know over to their anniversary party for no reason. What is wild to me is that he told her at all. Yes, I would like Teddy, Ted, Teddy. We're going to call him Teddy from now on because that's what he deserves. Teddy. (laughs) Fuck Teddy. What's wild to me is like Teddy really could have gotten along with the shaggy defense for this fucking movie. And like instead decides to just go like, you might have seen us standing rather closely together in our cramped kitchen. That's because I fucked her. Now calm down. (laughs) And like, it's insane. He doesn't even backpedal. It's just like all of his excuses are like, it didn't mean anything, which he repeats over and over. It's like, oh, we get it. You threw away your fucking marriage vows on something that was nothing to you. Great. So the marriage vows are less than nothing to you? What a dickhead. Also, even if you fucking accept that because it's 1930, he then fucking changes his mind after she has an affair that means nothing and, like, can't fucking deal with the idea that, like, someone has had his woman besides himself. And he will go around New York thinking literally every man he sees... This is like verbatim, by the way, is the man who his wife cheated on him with. Which, one, by the way, just tell him it's Dawn, because that's obvious. It can't be my playboy best friend that fucks around with everyone. (laughs) It just, it might be the garbage collector. It could be anyone. And this man becomes a reporter. Um, I... (laughs) They are just handing him jobs. I mean, they're just like, have a job. Are you at all qualified? No. No. Though she does have a pretty good line, which is like, 
loose women are great haunted except in the home yeah no i like i was kind of with this movie during the part where she sleeps with dawn and they get a divorce and i'm like oh what's this movie gonna be this is weird i like this and then it was like oh this is gonna be a movie about how loose women are bad and being a divorcee is bad and she needs to go back and forgive her husband fuck there was a time where I thought it was going to be, like, a movie about just, like, I guess, like, choose who you're fucking. Like, married, not married. <laughs> Make smart decisions <laughs> on who you're fucking. And, like, that's, in retrospect, super optimistic of me for a movie from 1930. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, though, that it, that the movie itself ever is, like, yeah, it's okay, Ted. Like, because Jerry says, like, our accounts are balanced now. And I don't feel like they are. Like, she got vengeance, but he fucking started it. Yeah, I feel like the thing that bothers me about the movie is that I really do feel like it is supposed to be about how he kind of is in the right and needs to forgive her a little bit. Or at least is in a position to, like, say bygones. Which, like, nah, dude. Like, you fucked this up. He also never apologizes. Nope. He definitely is like, oh, I was a mess without you. But he never says, like, and the reason I was without you is because I fucked up. Yeah. Again, I really want to stress, like, I get it. Her costumes are fucking spectacular when she's a divorcee. But, like, that also just makes me angrier that she's not supposed to be a divorcee. Did you fucking look at her outfits? Those dresses are insane. They're great. (laughs) Can we talk about this shot? which I just want to have framed and hanging eight feet by eight feet in my house, where after she bangs Dawn, and I guess they're in a car, and she's got this, like, giant black coat with a white fur trim, and she, like, pulls it around her face. She looks like a straight-up Disney villain, like a before they are are evil old witches, where they're just like, I am so glamorous and dangerous— And he's, like, holding her, wearing a white tie and a top hat. And I'm like, this is the most art deco in real life thing I've ever seen. Yes. I love that scene. I love the immediate post-divorce party scene outfit where she sees Teddy from across the room and is like, more champagne! Her outfit in that is insane. (laughs) That's this, like, hourglass fucking black number that's also some real Disney villain shit. It's like if a flapper dress went to the floor, and I am here for it. It's great. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And then she's got the gold wrap dress that's like gold lame that she's wearing on the train, which was pretty amazing. Her outfit on the boat where she's got the little Mm -hmm. cashmere white cap on and the jaunty scarf. I also love that she's on the boat and like whatever dude is doing the sailing and she's just like i'm gonna lie back and do jack shit because i am hot and that is my job yep (laughs) and you have to work for me to be here it's great i mean i get that eventually you kind of get tired of partying because like you have a breakup and you go a little wild and she has that whole line about like oh no one more would be the death of me on the train when uh, the ambassador to or from india to or from england offers her another drink but like you don't have to just go get back together you can just like go home and read a book exactly 
that is the thing that bothers me is it's like this duality of like a partying life that cannot last of hedonism and unmarried sex and like getting back together with fucking Ted. <laughs> there's no like, maybe there's more dudes in my life than my cheating ex-husband and a drunk driver who's trying to leave his disfigured wife without telling her. We should talk about the part where Dorothy shows up to talk to Jerry. Because that is some dark Jane Eyre level shit. Yeah. And it kind of comes out of nowhere. It really does because you don't see her for the entire fucking movie after the weird accident scene. There's one reference to her three minutes earlier in between those two scenes, and that's it. She just disappears from the entire film and then fucking shows up like she's gonna put the hex on a main character from Great Expectations. Like, it's really fucking weird. It's great. I love her. She is my favorite character in the film. And she should fucking poison everybody's tea. And she should go live in Europe. But she does straight up look like she waltzed in off of the Crimson Peak set. Yes. Which, yeah, I'm fine with. If this movie went, like, full Rebecca every 12 minutes for no apparent reason, do you have any idea how much more I would love this movie? I would be sitting here going like, yeah, yeah, the moral is repugnant. Yes, everyone is a terrible fucking person. But can we talk about those staircases, though? Like, I would just be 100% here for this film. <laughs> Can we also talk about the haunted ghost wife? She's straight up willing to give up Paul, if that'll make him happy? She's the one good person, like, just in this movie. But to be fair, giving up Paul would also be good for her, because that guy sucks. Yes, that is fair. Maybe she's just like, please take my shitty pity husband. Yeah, maybe it's like, <laughs> she seems like she can't talk very fast. So maybe there is a thing of like, no, this isn't reverse psychology. No, what are you doing? No, God, why did I come here? Oh, Christ. Oh, I thought I was going to finally be rid of this deadbeat piece of shit. Uh, oh, Conrad Nagel, how could you betray me? I was so here for you in Wings and you just were like a... Super easily because he was always a douche. He was a douche in Wings. No, he was a good guy. He was the one good guy in Wings. Who was, like, hiding from his friend that he wasn't... That's fair. He still kind of seemed like the guy that beat you up in high school. <laughs> but you're right. In the war, he was, like, a good dude. But definitely, like, he has that air of the not-very-good-football player who, like, beats you up in high school. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about this movie. Like, I didn't hate it, but I'm also... I've come around to your interpretation that the movie's moral is that even if you're in a terrible marriage, it's better than not being in one. I feel like this is a thing of, like, how highly do we rate basic competency? Because, like... The fact that, like, this is a movie, 
is like extremely true of this film and has not been true of all of the films we've watched. Well, I mean, I think we have to put it again in the context of this year. Okay. I, I think the only movie that we've watched so far for this year that this one beats out would be Love Parade. I would put Love Parade above this, but I don't remember how low I rated Love Parade. I think you gave it a solid five. Yeah, and I feel like giving this movie like a, a 3.5 or a four is... I feel like that's fair. Wow. There's good costumes in this movie. I don't know. Didn't we give, didn't we give like an old Arizona a one? Yes. And we decided zero could not be a thing. Like the, whatever, Amazon, Netflix, well, when Netflix had scoring and not just thumbs up or thumbs down, it had to be the thing where you want to give the review as like, I wish I could give this zero stars. I feel like at a 3.5 or a 4, what I'm saying is like, it does some of the things that a movie needs to do to meet basic competency standards, but not all of them. And also, I didn't like it. It, it has, technically, it is competent. Like, insofar as the sound and images are good, there's some actually really beautiful shots... There's no boom mics in any shots. I will say that for this film. <laughs> but like they had a whole scene outside and we could understand it, which is not the case yeah. in, in old Arizona. Okay, let's say, I'm going to say four. I'm going to say like, I'm going to say four because I gave Love Parade a five and I'm subtracting a point for being as morally repugnant as the Love Parade while also having no idea how to plot a movie. I'm actually going to give it a six because I'm going to give it above Love Parade. For a handful of reasons. Dawn is super hot. Norma Shearer in this movie is also super hot. And actually, like, okay, fine. gives a very good performance of maybe not a great character line, but it's she gives a really good performance. The costumes and the sets are amazing. <sighs> they are, but, like... I want to say, like, one, those two, those last two things were also true of the love parade. Though that movie, well, not amazing. The costumes weren't amazing, but the sets were amazing. Yeah. And also there were, like, good musical numbers in The Love Parade, which you cannot say for this movie. No, I can't say that. And, like, <laughs> the plot of that movie was, like, tight. Like, it made sense. Like, there were things about The Love Parade that were better than this movie and were given it, like, a... We're giving it a one-point bump for Dawn being hot? Well, we don't have to agree. <laughs> like, I guess I'm, like, weirdly trying to argue you down just because I like the idea of arguing you down from the position of, no, The Love Parade, which I hated, was a better movie than this movie. I, I honestly think that the performances in this movie were better than the performances in Love Parade, but... Love Parade also is a musical. It's kind of like comparing apples and oranges. That's fair. Yeah. Because, like... The, the performances in a drama should be more nuanced. <laughs> it's kind of apples to oranges. Than those yeah. in a, 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 like, frequently burst into song musical. Also, like, The Love Parade structurally is a lot better, but it's also just Taming of the Shrew. Whereas The Divorcee, like, what does it have? I, yes, that is, is fair. Um, I want to make one last argument to you but i want to like confirm that i'm right about it go for it conrad nagel is not in wings oh god conrad nagel is not in wings he's in the hollywood review of 1929 oh okay who was he in the hollywood review of 1929 they, he's he's what's the name of that guy charles buddy rogers no that's the is that the 
guy that isn't a shit? Jack Powell? No, Jack Powell's the guy who is a shit. David Armstrong is the one who isn't a shit. And that's Richard Arlen. <laughs> who's a different guy. Oh, well, shit. How did I How did I get Conrad Nagel? I always think that he was in Wings. Why do I always think that? I think there was like a two degrees of separation thing with like somebody from Wings was in the Hollywood Review of 1929. And then we refused to pay attention to the Hollywood Review of 1929. And so everyone in the Hollywood Review of 1929 ended up being in Wings. That seems legit. Unless, was he in Seventh Heaven? I don't think so. Does not appear that he was. No, he was not. Well, apparently I just love Conrad Nagel's name. It's a pretty great name. Never mind then. He's not a great actor for not reminding me of, (laughs) at any time, of Richard Arlen. (laughs) Yes. In no way did he remind me of Richard Arlen, weirdly enough. We have one more movie in 1930, which is a a prison drama. Yes. That I'm really crossing my fingers on because this poster is garbage. Usually, if the poster is garbage, the movie is decent. I think we've said before that the plot on Wikipedia implies that, like, prisons are bad, which is a bit of an advanced moral for 1930. And I'm impressed that they at least pay lip service to it. Is it like an advanced moral for 1930? Because like, you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty socialist stance. I will say that did not appear to be the stand in the alibi. Oh, that's true. Prison was a place where garbage people who are obviously garbage and cops can always tell go to rot. (laughs) That's true, and this may not be that movie. I just feel like I haven't actually read the Wikipedia plot. But I have looked at it, and the fact that it is more than one paragraph gives me hope. Uh, I don't know that I have anything more to say about the divorcee. I don't either, except the poster is really great. The poster is also her in a great outfit. Oh, we didn't say, like, should should people watch this movie? Um, I will... Mm, I guess I will say yes on the, like, it must be really fucking impossible to find a gallery of all her outfits on the internet. Like, there's not just a fucking Tumblr (laughs) of everything she's wearing in this film. Like, you have to watch this film to figure out what she's wearing in this film. But if somebody wants to make that Tumblr and save the rest of the world the headache... Oh yeah, then absolutely never watch this goddamn film. You would be a hero. (laughs) I'm with you on that. Like, there's no reason to watch it unless you're a person who just loves the shit out of fancy 30s clothes. Okay. So until next week, then. This was a movie. What's our catchphrase? I think it was this was a movie, (laughs) which is about all I will say for the divorcee. Yes. So it's really like. (laughs) This sure was a movie. It absolutely was a film that was nominated for an Academy Award. (laughs) All right. Until next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Daddy, don't